Welcome to the first episode of the Extreme Tasting League Scotch Podcast. I am Cedius. I'm Dave. And we're your hosts for the Extreme Tasting League Scotch Edition. We've got ourselves a special guest tonight. I'll let Peter introduce himself. Hello, I'm Peter. And tonight what we're going to be doing is we're going to be drinking a couple couple quality selections from the Bayside, which will be the Cardu, aged 12 years, and the Bruchladik Rocks, uh, which doesn't seem to have an age statement on it. No, it doesn't. But I think it's a 12. I'm not I, sure. Yeah, I think it's a 12 as well. So, But i got to hold these now because otherwise they'll clink on the table, and that's horrible. Bad Dave. Bad, bad Dave. Yeah, because the worst thing that I could be doing is holding scotch tasty tasty scotch. I've been eyeing these things for about a half hour. Yeah, we've been sitting here talking and prepping before we record the first episode here, and he's just like, I want to taste it now! I do. They're so so yummy. So, Dave, didn't we do this once before, kind of? Well, yeah, we did this once before, but we are doing it again. So, this is our second first episode. Yeah, we're going to redub the first one a pilot. Uh, some of the reason for that is uh, the other two people that recorded with Dave and I, um, we had our own thing going on for a year before we did the podcast, and they just weren't digging on the podcast thing for varied reason. And we couldn't argue with those reasons, so we're just going to do our own thing, and Dave is smelling the bottle, so I'm going to just shut up now and let him get to pouring. <laughs> oh, it's so tasty. It smells so good. I just couldn't help myself. I was stuck holding it and I, I, I couldn't stop. Ooh, some of it dripped off the cork onto my hand. I wonder what he's going to be licking in a minute. Yep. So, we've got our pores in. And we're probably all going to be very quiet here for a second while we all smell. Hard to talk and breathe at the same time. Really is. What did I say about phones? It's on vibrate. I gotta, uh, not, I gotta at least know when somebody wants to get in touch with me. Just because you can't really hear it. I heard it. Well, hopefully they can't hear it. Good point. If they can hear it, then I'll, I'll turn it off in the future. But... All right, well, I'm definitely getting fruity notes. Yeah, it's definitely very fruity. Like an apple or a pear-type fruit. I, I would say it's more pear than apple. There might be a little bit of apple in here, but it's definitely not. Uh, there's no citrus in it. Cinnamon. It's definitely a hint of some sort of spice. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say there's some spice in there, but not a... Not a ton. I mean, I'd almost go more clove than cinnamon myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, good call. Good call. Okay, we're going to take a sip undiluted here. Definitely got the spice. Yeah, I, that's about all and I get. And the fruit. Yeah, the fruit's still there. Yeah, I think I'd still call it a pear. I didn't get anything out of it uh, other than the spice. And, and, and the finish, in terms of things, the, the, that definitely maintains the spice. I don't know that but I get as much else. It's, very, it's a very smooth. Yeah, it's definitely finish. smooth. I'm going to tip a little bit of water, see if it changes the smell a little bit here on the nose. Swirl it around. No, I don't, I don't, think, it, I don't think it changes the No, I, it, it didn't really open up the nose mm-hmm. at all. If anything, maybe brought the spice out a little more and pushed the... Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back. See, at, at, at this point, I'm, I'm almost getting too much of the alcohol smell. Let me know that a little further away here. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it just, the, the spice becomes more, more in the forefront in the, in the nose. In the tasting, 
I think the tasting, it also pushes the spice towards the forefront as, as well. See, I kind of feel the body loses a little bit of the spice with the water. I'd say that it maybe pushes it towards the end. And yeah, towards, 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 the, towards the finish. Yep. Which, uh, the, the finish softened for me with the water. It's not lingering nearly as long. Yeah, but I think the, the spice got pushed more towards it, and the, the fruit almost seems like it got mulled a little bit in with, uh, with the water. So this might be one that's best to, to run dry order neat as it were uh which should bring us to definitions i would think at this yeah point we time. probably Since really we should gonna, talk about that a little bit we kind of jumped Since in we were to gonna do that before we started drinking yeah I, best laid plans you know how it goes well I, I i couldn't help myself yeah they were staring at me <laughs> they were so in terms of scotch tasting there are some definitions that it would be good to know and on our website, which is scotch.xtlpodcast.com, and we will say that again later, we have a lexicon for you. The terms that we felt that were important for you to know, um, first and foremost, is the distillery. Uh, we obviously, we called this the Cardhue. Um, Cardhue. Cardhue, I'm sorry, I pronounced it wrong. Um, that is a distillery. They are the makers, the the producer of the scotch. Then there's the expression. Um, that's the specific production run from a distillery, typically stated as the bottling year and age statement. Age statement you see most of the time, bottling year less so. In this case, it's the 12 year. The next term we want to talk about is dram. That's the glass of scotch, which is, in official measures, approximately 37 milliliters. We just pour a glass and call it a dram. It's not, it's not particularly important. Uh, size. Yeah, seriously. And then there's the vapors, which is the aroma carried off with the evaporating alcohol. And that's the first official set of terms that we wanted to to talk about. The terms that we will probably never ever use, except for distillery. And we probably won't actually say distillery because we'll just say that it's distillery is basically the brand. The distilleries are. Something like 99% of all the distilleries in Scotland are owned by various conglomerates of, of things and other companies. There's only one distillery that I know of that's still owned by its original family from the 1850s. Peter's, Peter's shaking his head. but it just uh, got bought by Jim Beam. No, no, no. Um, what, what was the one? The Glen Farkless. They're, oh, okay. they're still owned by the same family family conglomerate since 1857, or the same father, son, grandson, 1857, 1852, something like that. So, yeah, no, somebody told me the same thing, that, that the last one had been bought, but uh, according to according to the company website, or the distillery's website, they're still, okay. they're still uh, completely, completely uh, independent, independent of, of any big corporate interest, which is really nice. And there are a couple family groups that have maintained time over over a while but it's not not really quite the the same, the same as as having passing it down to your, your your child and their child and their child since the, the 1850s i mean even the the glenn farkless is not a uh, they're not they're not an original family because the the distillery was opened in the 1830s and then it was bought in the 1850s but you know you put a hundred and 170, 160 years on, on something 
sure, you can kind of say that you're, 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 you've had a lot to do with it. Yeah, you've had a lot to do with it. Um, but yeah, we won't be using a lot of these things. Like, I expression sounds to me like I'm making a crazy face, and when when I hear the vapors, <laughs> I I think of I think of a, a man sitting on a on a porch in the south watching his girl faint on a couch while she's wearing her corset too tight. So, yeah, we're probably not going to be using Your history of living in Georgia is showing, Dave. <laughs> yeah, well, they make good sweet tea down there. Yeah, there's got to be something. I think the same thing, and I've been here my entire life. So. <laughs> so now that we're past the pretentious terms that we're not likely to use much, we're going to go on to the three that we are definitely going to be using with every scotch. There's the nose, which is both the aroma of the scotch and as a verb to smell the aroma of the scotch or to smell the nose. There's the body, which is the taste and feel of a scotch while in the mouth. And then there is the finish, which is the taste of the scotch after swallowing. And also the duration of the flavor on the palate. When I cleansed my palate there with, with the water, I really got a, a nice uh, a nice taste of the fruit on the cardio. And I was a little more liberal with my water when I added it to it, and I think I got some of that in the in the beginning in the mouthfeel. Sure, sure, I can see that now for sure. I I usually don't put that much water in, so still not sure what spice I would say for certain it is. I'm, I'm still feeling a little clovey. It does it does taste a little clovey. But there's I don't know that, that cinnamon thing is kind of sticking to my brain too, and it's I say cinnamon a lot. It's a fault of mine. Well, in terms of things, that's fair. When when Dave and I, with the other gentlemen, we've been doing our own tasting offline um, for the last year or so, um, I would be guilty of, of spitting toffee. Oh, at, God, at, toffee all the time. Of course, I'd say butterscotch and he'd say toffee, and then... They're similar. Yeah. Now, I no, get no. a whole lot of butterscotch or toffee. Now, no, Darren no, no. was the one who could identify the butterscotch. Yeah, so I would say butterscotch, and then you'd say toffee, and then Darren would, would determine which one of us was, was right. Was right, yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. kind of spirals into the last word that we are going to use on this podcast a lot, and that is cork dorkery. Uh, and we are going to define that as any and all silliness or pretentiousness regarding scotch. Yeah, there will be a lot of that. There will be an awful lot of that. And so what with that, that concludes our lexicon, which again you'll be able to find on our website. So right. do so, a little palate cleansing here before we move on to the here, next why don't one. You, why don't you hand that to me here? And I'll, while I'll, that's I'll going, the, the brulati. And while that's going on, we will uh, talk a little bit more to our guests in a social uh, standpoint. <laughs> so uh, I guess the first question we're going to ask of everyone: uh, When did you feel you first got into scotch? I would say that I got into scotch rather late. Um, I got into drinking rather late, to be completely honest. So it was definitely an acquired taste. Um, Mid-20s was probably when I started drinking scotch um, down at the old place, Kieran's Old Pub in Minneapolis, um, was my introduction. And I actually started with Lefroyd. So that is good call. That is maintained one of my my first love as far as scotches have gone. I'm I'm more of a fan of the Islay's. Um, than the space sides, but I I enjoy them all. Okay, all right. Um, I got into scotch 
I don't know, a while ago. Whiskey's always kind of been my first love since I, I snuck some whiskey from my my dad's uh, liquor cabinet when I was like five years old. And uh, I, I don't know, just it, it never went away. Not that I drink a whole lot or have been drinking since I was a little kid or anything like that, but uh, definitely I, uh, it's always been the, my alcohol of choice. And uh, I got into scotch probably about six, seven years ago in, in like a real semi-serious way. Um, and about a year ago, but yeah, about a year ago, I started up a scotch club with uh, CDS and a couple other gentlemen, and it was a uh, it was definitely a, a fantastic experience that uh, really opened up my eyes to to a lot of what Scotland can provide as far as uh, as far as fine whiskey is concerned, and uh, now we're taking it on the air. Yeah, and for me, uh, I've been drinking for a while. Um, Whiskey has kind of been the go-to family of liquor for me for, I'd say, the last eight to ten years. Not that I, I wouldn't deviate and still have my vodka and my rum and my uh, amaretto from time to time. But whiskey has been the primary, and scotch whiskey has completely taken over in the last year since getting into that scotch club with Dave. Um, mostly it's because I didn't know much about scotch as, comp- as compared to Irish whiskeys. And so I've just been heavily exploring that. And any new bar I go to, I look to see what they've got. And if they've got a single malt that I've not tried, that's the first thing I go for. So uh, I can really blame Dave for giving me some scotch at Convergence a few years back, um, kind of wetting the whistle to how it was different from Irish whiskeys. And I wasn't sure it was going to be my thing at first, but uh, after a year of exploring it, it's, it's definitely become a bit of a passion. So. I've always found that there's a little more complexity with the scotches than the Irish whiskeys. Personal opinion. Oh, certainly more distinct and and flavors between the the, the different brands, the different distilleries, yeah. and scotches, and than there is an Irish whiskey because they're just not so much differentiation in grain alcohols as com- compared to the, the different malts or so, barrel types or yep. mm-hmm. times in the yeah. There's just so, there's there's just so much different about about the scotch that there than there is to uh, you know. Even bourbons are there, there's only X number of flavors of bourbon, really. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure that somebody here is going to love bourbon, and they're going to tell us how wrong I am on that. But and that's okay. Um, that's totally fine. I this just, is an opinion show. I, yeah. I enjoy bourbons as well, I, but I, I would too. agree that there are there's less variety of flavor. Yeah. I mean, there's some, but but it's not. It's certainly not what defines bourbon as the way that. A scotch has, frankly, six different series of fla- serious ser- differences in flavors by their regions. Yeah. And and even once you get beyond the the regional level, you're still pushing many different many different flavors within a region. So, um, but we probably should rate how we we liked the Cardew. Yeah, we probably should. And we're also I'm also realizing that there was another. Part of cork dorkery that we skipped. And that, oh, I'm that supposed is, to. I'm supposed to sarcastically read the tasting notes. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to give it to Dave because he voices this so much better than I do. Oh, okay, let's see here. <clears throat> Only available in limited quantities. Cardew is the outstanding single Highland malt whiskey. Oh, this is a 
It says Speyside, and then it says Highland. I love that. They can't even figure well, out what region they're in. Oftentimes, Highland I've, I've actually seen Speyside be included as a Highland region. So yeah. but that's we'll get into that some other time. Except that the but Spe- it's Lowlands. But the Speysides have, there's something like 55% of the market. So yeah. there's a lot of that. I, but I, we're digressing from we the We are digressing. Highland Malt Whiskey, produced at Kadu Distillery, one of the oldest in the, on Speyside. Long acknowledged as the finest whiskey-producing region in Scotland. Our whiskey is a distillation of natural elements that surrounds us. We take the pure, soft water that springs from the Manic Hills. We select the finest malted barley. The whiskey is slowly distilled in swan-necked copper stills, watched over by craftsmen drop by drop. God, that's got to be a boring job. Like, seriously boring. What did you do all that? I watched whiskey drop. Woo. I've been paid for more embarrassing things. Yeah. It is then matured for 12 years in old oak casks. Producing a full-flavored single malt whiskey with aromas of ripe pears. Hey, look at that. We I got called that it. right. Fragrant fruits, balanced and sophisticated on the palate. What the hell does that mean? And a sweet smoothness and crisp finish. So, yeah. Um, so when, when we say cork dorkery and the tasting notes available on a box, we often mean that they're full of shit. Yeah. And this is uh, I think that it's Diageo it, it, owned. It, 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 it's very hit and miss. Some of them we have found to be fairly exact. Yeah. And the t- and the tasting notes have been pretty solid. A lot of them, and in particular, we seem to find this in the space side region, that they say a lot without telling you anything. Yep. And this particular one, uh, you know, at least we, they we, told us pair. We told us pair, so the pair was there. So it's like, involved and. Yeah. Surprisingly complex with a mature and robust finish and yeah. It doesn't mean anything. Yep. Yeah. No. It's it's a we don't know what this tastes like either. So for scoring, uh, here we've decided we're gonna use a five point scale. Uh, we used to use just a simple thumbs up, thumbs down neutral with the with the uh, tastings that we have been doing for the last year with the other two gentlemen that have uh, that were in the pilot with us. But uh, we didn't feel that was nuanced enough for this podcast, so we're going to go a five-point scale, and I'd like to start the scoring with our guest, Peter. I am going to give that a three. Um, we're going to put that one in the middle of the road. I don't, I don't think that it was anything particularly special, but it could have been a whole lot worse. It sure could have been. I mean, it's not locked due. So, um, <laughs> you know, we definitely, uh, definitely have a... So it, it has a floor to fall through. Um, I'm going to give it a two because I I definitely feel that it wasn't terrible. And if I somebody said, hey, I've got this, would you drink it? I would say yes. But I don't think I would order it. If, if I had pretty much just about any other option, I mean, it's not, it's not bad. It's not bad, but it's not good either. And I... I just don't think I would drink it if I had other options available. And that's that's going to be my, my rationale on it. And I am going to split the difference, and I'm going to call it a two and a half. Ooh. And the reason for that is, one, I want to introduce the decimal system to our scale right off the bat. Second, don't you know the decimal system? Uh, 
Second, uh, the reason for it is while it is a middle of the road scotch, I myself want to save a true neutral that that three vote to be something that I would buy again. I don't hate this. There's nothing about it that does anything wrong for me. It just doesn't excite me in any way, and I would not go out of my way to purchase it again. So, like I said, I'm going to split the difference and call it a two and a half. Honestly, I think it I think it tasted better this time around than last year. But I I, I agree. I think I, we got starting the night with it though. We're not comparing it to the stuff that we still have coming yet. And that was intentional. <laughs> yeah. So we are going to move on to the second pour, the Brook Lottie Rocks. Um, this is a pour that I have previously had at a local Irish pub. Um, another uh, expression of Brulock B. Oh, uh, ah. I'm using it specifically to get it out of the way, Dave. Uh, Are you using it ironically? I'm not a hipster. Oh, okay. The, That's all right, then. Uh, the other pour of Brulotti that I had is, is, their, is their Waves um, bottling. And that one, uh, I think we, as the group, declared the Yachting Scotch. It had a really good sea salt smell and, and finish to it. A um, little, little bit of seaweed. It was very tasty. Um, and it being an Ela, it had a, a, a dash of the, the peat and the smoke, which uh, Dave and I have a, a taste for. So, Unpeated? What have you done? <laughs> this is, now that he's gone and read that, the I would say the intro line to the, the Brulotti distillery if you're not big on the Elas. This you is, hornswoggled me! Oh, no. I misled him because it's an Ela, and he and we, we had a peated one before, and now he's upset. Knows the damn thing before you get too mad at me. Oh, I, I, can, I can smell the salt. It's, it's going to be all right, I'm sure. That seems to be the distinctive feature of the Brugladis that I've had, is there's definitely a salty aroma to it. This one, wow. I would say, is even more powerful strong. than Waves was. Yeah, this is definitely a, a very strong salt. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a, a, a heavily sea-salted caramel smell. Heather, like a, mm. a flowering... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I flower. Yeah, I agree. I can't smell anything beyond the salt. That's just like, yeah, it, salt. It, it, I'm not getting salt. I'm not getting the caramel. Mm. Maybe I've had a different brand of caramels than you. But I see where you're getting the heather. There, there, there's a heather or honey. Maybe it's a honey heather thing that I'm getting, and, and I, maybe caramel's wrong. Maybe it's a heather and honey. So I'm getting a honey yeah, off I of think, this too. I think deer would go straight to this like they would for a salt lake. Just. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm a drunk deer. That's right. Now the deer fence gets in my way. Hmm. The body's sweeter than I expected. Yeah. Unpeated, but there's still smoke there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's smoke. I'm getting smoke and a lot of salt. And The salt is definitely there. There's there's a, a little bit of spice on the finish. Mm-hmm. Like a heat spice. I, I, I wouldn't call it a particular flavor, but there's definitely... And it, it's not a burny taste. It's, it's not as smooth as the cardio, but it's still relatively smooth. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not punching nice... you in the face. It's got a nice salty finish that lingers, I would say. It's there. I'm smelling. They're pouring water. I'm going to be drinking here in a second. Yeah, that, that is the nature of this particular podcast. We know radio shows survive by not having a lot of dead air, but the nature of this one, get over it. We're going to take some time out to, to, to really enjoy the nose. Well, and hopefully you're drinking something at the same time. Oh, indeed. Yes, indeed. we, we, we will be letting you know what we will be 
uh, having in the next episode so that you can play along with us if you care to. Obviously, this being episode one, that was a little logistically difficult. So take us to the bar with you on your on your your, your iPod or your smartphone, and and follow along. It'll be cheaper than buying a bottle, probably, unless you can get a group of people. But Which we highly encourage. It, drinking fun. scotch is much more fun with people to sit and talk about it with. Mm-hmm. And there are scotch tastings in the Twin Cities that you can get into as well. Several of the Irish pubs have them. And we will eventually be putting up um, a schedule on the website so that you can um, take a look uh, at when the tastings are going to be happening in the area and hopefully come out and hang out with us because we will try to catch some of those ourselves from time to time. I still just get salt and smoke off of this thing. Yeah, adding the water to the nose did not help it at all. Really get me anything. I don't. I mean, it's all. It's all. It's all. All salt with with a hint of smoke for me. Yeah. So I don't. Now, it's not to say that, you know, it's unpleasant like drinking salt water, but there's definitely a, a salty hint. At least I don't feel it's that horrible. It's it's pretty salty, but, I mean, it's it's definitely tasty. I'll still drink it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just don't, I don't taste any of the, or taste or smell any of the complexities that you two do. So. The, the finish actually got a little bit harsher for me with the water. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. And this I'm, one, I will say, was better without I, I'm going to actually try to overkill it with water now and see if adding additional water helps. It's an experiment. We're not sure where this is going to go. It's always an experiment. There's a couple of different things you can do with scotches. Um, drink them totally neat. Add a splash of water. Put an ice cube in them. Yeah. Those are all completely acceptable. And various people will tell you various things about how you're supposed to do it. And it's completely up to your palate, really. Very true. Very true. Everybody's got a different way, you know. And then there's the the cask strengths, which most of them say put a one to one with water on it for for the best uh, best taste. Which I, I still don't do. Yeah, but I haven't been known to do it all the time either. <laughs> I, so. I I say for the cask strengths that I've had, I I don't necessarily go one to one. I'll go a, a, a two scotch to one water when I'm feeling like watering it down. I'll I'll so, some. Some cast drinks need the, the additional water. Um, some do just fine straight if you want to, you know, have an evening of getting fit chased. Last time when we did the cardio, did we do that before or after the McAllen cast drink? The cardio was last. Oh, okay. That, that was our problem, as I think that we... It, it was it, too subtle to be last. It, 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 it suffered by being the last of a night where it was, it was pour number four. We were doing healthier sized pours, and the previous pour was a cask strength. So we were well off at the end of the evening, and and we spaced out the tastings that I would say we did a pour. The larger pours that we were doing um, were every half hour to 45 minutes. And we're obviously doing these pours about twice as fast as that, but they're, I would say, half to a third the size. It's probably wise. Yeah. Now, some tastings. We also had burgers in between, so... Yeah, we did take a a brief time out. And that will do interesting things to your taste as well. Yeah. And so now some tastings that you go to, if you're going to do a lot of tastings... This has a mouthfeel of ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some tastings will actually say to to, to taste and spit, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to waste the alcohol. So we don't do that here. More common with wine, though. It certainly is more common with wine. Absolutely. 
I've been to a number of hosted scotch tastings, um, some of which were with the, the flight host was actually from Scotland and specifically from the distillery that was being tasted that mm-hmm. evening. And um, I can't say that any of them suggested spitting after mm-hmm. 15 years scotch. So. No, because they're, they're Scotsmen and they know better. <laughs> and uh, Now, I don't know if it was your experience, but those pours were tiny. I, I did a, a Laphroaig flights um, tasting at uh, that was hosted by a, a local liquor store and I they opened a single bottle and there were uh, 25 individuals that got a glass out of that one bottle I would so, say that it depends on where you go sure um, the tastings that I go to are more private events um, and they're three ounce pours they're maybe slightly bigger than our last pour Mm. So that'd be a significant size yeah. I, I, I'd be, for for six scotches up for the evening. But yeah. there's also a, a cost that comes with going right. to those. Well, of course, absolutely, so. absolutely. All right. Well, um, do you want to read our notes before we? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me that. Give me that piece of paper. Uh, uh, was there a piece of paper in there too? Big uh, blue piece of paper that. Oops, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, the, the, the paper's gonna have one thing in the. Let's see here. One man's vision. William Morley Harvey. Yeah. I'm afraid that the bottle. Oh, this uh, is this the, is just a. The metal. Uh, bottle, which which is the interesting thing about a number of the Brulotti pours, or this this run of, of, of expressions, the rocks, the waves, what and the. the Hell? And the peated. Um, the Octomore, the new cult Elay? What? Seriously, like, we should put a picture of this thing up on the website just to mock it. Yeah, he, he's reading the guide that came in, in the container. And I'm afraid the container's tasting notes don't say Bubkiss about what rocks is as separate from waves, as separate from anything oh, else. Yeah, I've got the catalog here. Let's see if yeah, I can find there's, the... there's no notes on the bottle, or the... the um, Case looking at the I bottle. Would say that itself. The rocks, the rocks. Is that what we're drinking? Yes, yes. we're drinking the rocks. Bloody rocks. The gold color has a slightly rosy blush to it, making it exotic and very pretty. Because that's what I fucking want in a scotch. Can I say fucking in this thing? Yes. All right. Explicit podcast. All right. Good to know. I'm not sure that I'm seeing the blush, um, but maybe that's well, just me. Admittedly, my studio is uh, not well lit. Um, and by studio, I mean dining room table. Very pretty, unblemished clarity. Smells delightfully of... What? Keep reading it, Dave. Of fruitcake, banana nut bread, and sweet malt in the first aromatic go-arounds. Seven minutes of further... Can I get the fruitcake now that I, now that I have to say that, actually? Let me pass the bottle to Peter here. Seven minutes of further exposure to air. See, there was no instructions to let this thing breathe for seven minutes. But well, we, we, we didn't did, read did. the instructions first well, because we don't want this, to be tainted. Well, this is a... a seriously. Okay, um, I can kind of see the banana nut bread or um, something, yeah. Seven minutes of further exposure to air brings up the devilishly toasty slash roasted aromas of crispy pork rind. What? Pork rind? No. Sweet oak, vanilla, red grapes, and blackberry jam. As inviting a bouquet as I've recently had from the Lottie. Entry is vividly sweet and grainy, yet nimble in its textural weight and acidic agility. Gains momentum by mid-palate as the taste profile suddenly 
bursts forth with red fruit presents. Things red like nimble and agility. Just... Love it. Love it. I'm having flashbacks to the Gone show, and this Gone did about halfway through oh, this. Oh, totally I'm... did. And Oaky Vanilla finishes clean as a whistle, chewy and concentrated, tight, composed, no body fat. This laddie absolutely rocks. Um, I'm that, declaring Cork Dorkery. <laughs> on that note, on that note, I think I would rate this a one. I, I wouldn't. I didn't throw it out, but I, okay, Dave. I'm gonna throw this at you. Previously, we tasted a bottle at my home, where the aroma we will pleasantly describe as lemon Lysol, and the taste. To my knowledge, this was the only pour that we had that all four of us did not finish. That would be what I would declare a one. Is this really a one? Would that be a one or a zero? Uh, Well, you could take it that far. Uh, The most generous thing that I have said about it since is that it mixes well with ginger ale. I will say... You're still going to give it just a one? One and a half tops. I mean, it's... I didn't taste any of the crap that they put in there. I mean, it was all it was all sea salt and smoke to me, and I couldn't smell any of it. And yeah, maybe there's some fruity stuff to it now, but I don't. I still don't. Smell Honestly, it. I will say I got better nose smelling the bottle than I did out of the glasses, which I should point out we're using brandy snifters versus um, tumblers. Um, that was a choice we decided to make, or rather, I decided to make. Uh, we may yet go back to the tumblers uh, if we decide I'm, I'm the nosing. I'm a fan of the tumblers for uh, sure because I, I like the, uh, I like being able to to have my nose in the glass as I'm drinking. And a lot of sites I saw recommended doing a, a brandy snifter, and so since we did not have uh, a chance to do an intermediary, let's taste some things we've already done. And let's see which one we get the better reaction out of. Um, we may uh, switch glasses, and and we might even do that between. The two episodes we're recording tonight, so uh, we'll leave that up to the group decision in the break. But I want Peter's opinion of the scotch before we continue. Even before yours, huh? Even before mine. I am I- going to. I'm definitely going down from the first scotch. Um, I felt that this was not very complex at all. Again, lots of salt, lots of smoke, drinkable. Um, I would give it a two. I'm going to agree with Peter. Uh, I think I'm going to give it a two. Um, I thought about giving it the one and a half that Dave did. Um, but as compared to, as I mentioned, the spring bank before, if that's going to be our one, this is far more palatable to me than that was. Um, I think there is certainly range in between the two that I want to reserve the one and a half for. Hopefully I never have to experience it. Um, but this is certainly... Very disappointing as compared to their waves for the same line, uh, same year statements. The expression. Uh, yes, the expressions. To, to, to use the term since we've got it there. I, I was I was severely disappointed. Um, I had had this previously before my palate had matured, shall we say. I had it early in my scotch tasting experience, so I thought I'd give it another dance. I did not rate it highly before either. Um, but I'm actually rating it lower now than I did then because I've had far better scotches. So yeah, overall yeah. this one did not please. No, I, I, I just I wouldn't even, I would pass this up if it was if it was the only scotch on a on a scotch on on a on a, on a beer wine alcohol list at a restaurant. If that was the only one there, I I would 
I would not. I would order a wine. I seriously. This is not something that I would sit down at night and drink a glass of. Um, the first one, maybe. If I had it around, I might. This, not so much. All right, well, that is going to conclude this first episode of the Extreme Tasting League Scotch Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, in the next edition, we will be tasting the Yamazaki 18 and the Craig and Moore 12 years. Hope to hear, uh, hope to see you guys then. Good night.